Welcome to the final summer racing podcast of 2022. There are two thoroughbred meetings in Tassie left in the calendar year. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on Friday's Kevin Sharkey Sheffield Cup meeting in Devonport. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of Taz Racing. And joining me as he has for every episode of this podcast is Bear Robinson. Happy holidays to you, mate. Let's hope we do a bit better for this Devonport meeting than we did the last one. Yeah, good evening, Snap. Good evening, listeners. Yeah, it hasn't been a great uh, punning arena for both yourself and I in recent weeks, but um, hopefully we back, bounce back a bit on uh, Friday and get the Christmas ham money, mate. It'd be really nice. Yeah, it's that time of year where uh, anything is a bonus. Uh, another big show. We've had two meetings since we last recorded the pod, which was heading into the concrete. So we'll have a bit of a look at, at Lonnie and also Sunday's Hobart meeting. Unfortunately, the stars didn't align for us to get a guest this week, but that's okay. We'll lock and load bigger and better than ever for the next one. Of course, we'll look at Friday's Devonport meeting. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Unfortunately, no markets yet, but we'll still do our best to try and point punters in the direction of a winner and give our two cents at the end with um, Bears Brief and Snapper Special. But going back to conquering night, mate, must be one that um, you're pretty happy to to rehash. Yeah, it was awesome, mate. Um, I thought the way the track played, we might have been in a little bit of strife because um, obviously at that level there's quality horses and I actually didn't think he was travelling that well at the 600 and I was watching out the back with my mum and Rosie and I said, oh, we're in a bit of strife here, but no sooner had they straightened that um, the little fella, yeah, he just put it beyond doubt again. I mean, he's flying at the moment, but what about the run of Rebel Factor? First time at, at that level, um, he was really tough. He put first accuser of the sword coming to the turn and any other year he probably would have won. Yeah, absolutely. It, it took a, a really good one to beat him. Uh, you mentioned the track. We probably can't discuss uh, last Wednesday night without mentioning the condition. So it was very wet in Tassie early last week. I think more rain in Launceston earlier in the week, and that sort of filtered its way down to Hobart as the week went on. Track eventually started as a good four, and that was predominantly because it was very, very, very windy on the night. So I think it ended up being sort of a rails in run on pace advantage type of night. That was largely due to the wind, I think, as much as anything. And as you mentioned, Bear, it probably adds more weight to the victory of the little fella. Um, also worth mentioning that in the conquering, just due to the pace that they went early, it was actually the slowest of the four 1,400-metre races on the night. So... Um, the leaders had a pretty good time of it in front, which probably takes a little bit of gloss off the run of Rebel Factor, albeit he, he was super. But the leaders kind of had things made to order. And again, it, it probably adds even more weight to the win of the inevitable. But yeah, I, I'm with you, Bear. I thought he was in trouble for a split second. But I think as slow as they went up front when they sprinted, maybe the little fella was a little bit flat-footed. But when he picked up the bid again, he's just got that turn of foot. He seems to get up to them so quickly and just put the race away with ease. He's a funny one, isn't he? Like Dave was niggle, niggle, niggle. And you've just touched on they were going quite slow. You'd think out to 14, he might be able to race a little bit more attractable, but um, he was niggle, niggle, niggle. And then when it's go time, he decides to sort of pick the bid up and he has that extraordinary finishing burst. So um yeah, the track curators have got a tough job for these night meetings, though, don't they? Like, if they put too much water on the night before or the morning of and the wind's not as strong as it is, it doesn't dry the track out and it could be a bias. So, 
Um, I wouldn't do their job for quits, to be honest, mate. No, I think, yeah, the, the night meetings, as you say, and, I mean, Lottie's thrown up a real mixed bag weather-wise. The times I've, I've been up there, I mean, Newmarket night, it was really warm. So, I mean, you can't put water on it halfway through the day. You're kind of stuck with what you've got. But, um, yeah, the, the conquering, really good win by the inevitable Rebel Factor, very good. Uh, what did you make of first accused, mate? You're obviously in the ownership there before we get to the other one of your horses, which went quite good. Yeah, I thought on face value he was a little bit disappointing. Um, I thought he had every chance. Maybe next time out he might be ridden a little bit quieter with a sit and see if he can finish up over the top of them. So, um, yeah, um, Scotty will no doubt sort it out. Uh, he may take the headgear off. Um, yeah, but I just thought on face value it was a touch disappointing. Has he stakes for him? Yeah, that came through on Monday. So uh, there was a bit of talk that he might have had a little bit of a freshen up, but... Um, He's picked up pretty well from that run, so more than likely goes to the Tassie Stakes in a fortnight's time. And the old boy Mandela effect it would have been a really pleasing return the way he hit the line. Yeah, I'll be honest, mate. I wasn't really watching him in the run, um, but when I watched the replay, I noticed he was sneaking up along the fence and you would think um, 1,600 at Hobart, he's going to give it a real shake. Whether or not he's good enough to beat the inevitable, we'll find out, but um, his run uh, was an indication of how he'd been working. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's been a very good horse really over every season for the last four or five. So it was nice to see him finishing off and hopefully he can back it up at Hobart in just over two weeks' time. And I guess the news since the conquering is that uh, you've chosen a long-range target of the All-Star Mile if hopefully you can get there, which must be incredibly exciting. Yeah, I mean, you're in this game to dream and um, look, he's a very popular horse. We understand that we've got a lot of work to do as all the owners and Scotty and Tegan and um, we've got a really mount of good um, publicity campaign, I suppose you'd say it that way, that when the uh, voting opens, I think on February the 6th, when that, it's only a shorter voting period this time and when the gates open there, we want to make sure we jump three in front to really get some, get a bit of a wave of momentum going. Cause I think if, if he can hold his form, then the popularity of the horse, hopefully all the Tassie get behind him and um, all roads would then lead to Mooney Valley. So you're in this dream, in this game to dream, it doesn't cost any money to dream. So um, providing he gets through the race next week, um, we'll really have a crack at trying to get him in. Yeah. Well, he certainly looks to have the the weight for age seen in Tassie uh, by the scruff of the neck as the inevitable. Uh, I think you could maybe make a case that heading to the Tassie Stakes, if that's the way they choose to go with Rebel Factor, that it, it probably looks a race in two, but you'd have to think the inevitable would be off his game to turn the tables. $1.50 was the starting price there on last Wednesday, Bear, and I, I, you'd be surprised to see any bigger than that unless something came from the mainland that didn't run uh, in the conquering. Yeah, you say that though, Snap, like he did open $1.90 for the conquering, which I actually thought was a little bit generous. So um, the bookies have been letting people on. So hopefully they do so again in two weeks' time, mate. They might not have any money left after that, but uh, no. no, They all drive BMWs, mate. They've got plenty left. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
Very good win there. I thought just before we move on from the conquering, um, along with first accused, I thought Alpine Wolf was a little bit plain. When we did the preview, I thought if there was to be an upset, Rebel Factor and Alpine Wolf were the only two that sort of had the upside. I was half right, but I thought Alpine Wolf was probably entitled to at least run third with a cushy run he had. It was a really good ride from Daniel Gander and to quickly find the, the rail behind the leader there and a touch plane and just the likes of Swoop Dog and beyond Dark Wanderer will touch on when we get to the Sheffield Cup there. Look, they're not going to beat the inevitable wait for age. I think they'd have to change tack and try and find a, a suitable handicap. And their ratings are probably low enough that they've got options if they want to win a feature this carnival. Yeah, we won't argue there. Yeah, as you touched on about Alpine Wolf, it was a great ride by Daniel Ganderson coming to the turn. It, you're probably telling Cole's voice it looked like it was trucking up behind him and looked a real chance to be right in the finish, but it didn't quite finish off as well as you probably would have thought. But in saying that, his best win has been at Hobart over the mile, which um, if they go that way, then I'm sure they've got that in the back of their mind that 12 months ago they uh, demolished the Guineas field last year. So um, it might might see an improved effort at Hobart from Alpine Wolf. Yep, well said. Uh, move on to the other feature. Well, there were two more features, but probably the, the secondary act was the Steve's Liquor three-year-old trophy, Bello Bow, fifty. he went around as well. The two very good things of the night uh, won accordingly. Uh, before we discuss the race, Bear, we might just have a quick listen to the post-race interview on Taz Racing TV uh, from Adam Trinder. No, so we, we're obviously confident that he would run 1,400, uh, hence, hence he turned up here and he's, he's bred to get that sort of journey, but he's, he's quite a forward, progressive sort of horse over 1,200 and quite dynamic, so we needed to see him come here and do that over 1,400, and I was quite pleased with what I saw. I thought he ticked boxes. Uh, that was probably one of his easier wins, so uh, quite pleasing. Where do you head to now with him? There'd be a lot of options, I'd imagine, at home and abroad. Yeah, exactly right. So I, I would suggest that he'd run run in the Guineas. And uh, if, if he can go, the Hobart Guineas, that is, if he, if he can go there and do his job, um, sort of probably a thought process would be to freshen up for, for a week or so up at the farm, Thomas Lyons, and then maybe have a look at the Guineas in March. Um, sort of that's, that would be a loose plan, um, but he's only three runs in, so he's got time on his side, but uh, that would be initial thought process. And once again, unfortunately, Jaguar Stone, always the bridesmaid, never the bride at this stage, but uh, there'll be a good one for her somewhere. Any ideas where you head with her? She was good again tonight? Yeah, she was She was good again tonight, sort of uh, stepping up in journey. She probably presents a filly that, that may benefit from a little bit of headgear. So whether whether I just meet her halfway with a set of cheek pieces or something, unsure, but she's, she's definitely not going to be a filly that's going to overgo at the mile. She just puts her head on her chest and, and relaxes, but finishes really well. So she'll they'll, they'll most likely clash again in the guineas unfortunately but um yeah she may have an addition of some headgear so adam very impressed and i, I think uh, very pleased to see what bello bow did there but i guess the the main takeout from that bear is that he's going to head to the tasmanian guineas in hobart it'll be on the same day as the inevitable jaguar stone heads there as well and probably sharma's last two but i think um, what we saw with that launceston track is if the right horse found the right part of the track. It was a case of times and margins, and that was certainly what happened with Bellow Bow. He just absolutely demolished them and ran good time in the process. He's a professional, isn't he? Um, jumps on the bunny. It was very, very impressive. And 
obviously you touched on that it's heading to the guineas, which I think is great. Like I just hope our racing club down here markets this this day at the races in a couple of weeks' time um, because you should get a big crowd. I mean, you've got two of the most exciting horses in Tasmanian racing um, heading out there. But I did hear also Adam mention that after the guineas all being well, he goes to the Thomas Lines on Hobart Cup Day. And I know that we're looking a long way ahead there, but how exciting would that be? Bellow Bow and the inevitable potentially clashing. I mean, that's probably going to take uh, more people be interested in that than the actual Hobart Cup itself, I would have thought. Yeah, that'll be similar to go back a few years, Mystic Journey and Hell of a Street, won't it? And they were both in all-star mile calculations at the time. And that was, it absolutely lived up to everything that was promised there as well. So fingers crossed that we can get that on Hobart Cup Day. It's just be outstanding. I think as you touched on then about Mystic and Hell of a Street, I reckon that was the day I thought, gee, Mystic Journey is a freak. Like Hell of a Street was humming at the 600 and she was out the back and, but within sort of three or 400 metres, Mystic had picked him up and basically spat him out and went straight past him, which we all know how much of a, a bulldog hell of a street was. And um, that was a day that I know as a, as a punter and a, and a racehorse watcher, I was like, wow, this horse is a freak. And as it turned out, two starts later, she won the first all-star mile. So um, hopefully it's our turn though to win the uh, Thomas Lions this year and then we can go on to the all-star mile. It'd be a nice bit of symmetry as well. They're in the exact same colours too, if you don't mind. Uh, yep. Bill O'Bow in the three-year-old trophy ran the fastest last 400 uh, and 600 of the race and, and by some margin, it did so from the front. His last 200 was bettered only by Sharma's last who came from a mile back. So, look, you'd think off that, good luck beating them at a mile. Uh, flying to Paris, got the right drag in behind Bello Bow. I, I didn't get a lot right in Launceston last Wednesday, but that was one of the few things that actually went to plan. Jaguar Stone drew wide, went back to the rail again. It, it was a race where the trifecta were all rails and run. I, I think she'll be a better horse in Hobart, Bear Jaguar Stone, but yeah, again, you just can't see her beating the stable mate problem with a horse like that is you're just giving a start away every time and, and that's the advantage of Bello Bow as you say just a professional puts himself on speed and when you got a good horse in front you kind of need to be a freak to run them down yeah spot on and you know Bello Bow is a great punter sort of horse that puts himself on speed and Jaguar Sane unfortunately gets back but in saying that as well her best win probably would have been at Hobart on debut about 12 months ago as well so um, they'll go into the Hobart race a little bit of confidence, but Bellow Bow is definitely the one to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Sharma's last and Justin Needs were both good from back and wide in that race. Uh, yeah, probably won't be backing them in the guineas, but there'll be a race for them somewhere along the line. Last of the features there, Bear, was the Alpha Bowl. Not one I'm overly keen to rehash <laughs> a new one of, either from... <laughs> A, per, a personal punting standpoint. Uh, Cairns got the chocolates here for Barry Campbell in the Star Thoroughbreds. Colours, $4 out to $6. Thoris of Mur, two twenty into $1.45 for Adam Trinder. Uh, went about as straight in the home straight bear as I do after a dozen cans. I will say <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if the wind didn't play some sort of part in this race. Um, for a horse that's on debut, sitting outside the speed, it, speed, it was blowing a gale. They sort of straightened up. Brendan's asked for the effort, and, and Thoris and Mertmer's, yeah, just wandered up the track 
completely, I think. And it always is for these two-year-olds. Finding the rail is a big advantage, and, and that was the case for Cairns, who just seemed sort of too professional for them. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, as I, I think I spoke to you a couple of days ago just about horses. Sometimes when they're not let off the bridle, you don't know quite how much is under the bonnet or how they're going to react. And I had one work on Monday and the one inside it probably had us covered, but you just you just don't know if it gets to a race situation. Um, I'm sure the Trinder and McCool horse will um, derive a lot of great benefit from that run, so I wouldn't be sacking it, but just a bit disappointing. You get the 230, mate, they start $1.45. But Cairns was very professional and um, good luck to um, them. Barry Campbell's obviously been a gun trainer of horses for a long time, but especially two-year-olds. So um, I think uh, it's going to win a couple more races throughout the two-year-old season as well. Yeah, credit's where it's due with Cairns. Barry said after the race they'd targeted this with the two-year-old filly and she had had a little setback prior to her trial so they did think that she was going to improve and it's very still pretty early days there's a two-year-old race in Devonport on Friday but you'd have to say she's probably the best of the three winners that we've had so far particularly given one of them in Countersphere was in this race and and pretty safely held by Cairns but um, I'm not overly sold that we've seen the Elwick Stakes winner or the Gold Sovereign winner, so to speak. I know Bello Bow didn't debut last season until the Alexandra played, and I think from memory, Jaguar Stone was pretty late in the two-year-old season as well. So I think there's a bit more to unpack in regards to the two-year-olds. Uh, just before we move on from Bear, uh, from Launceston Bear, uh, just a tribute. I'm not sacking you off the podcast. Uh, just a <laughs> tribute. Uh, just a tribute. Very good again with probably the pattern against. It was a race where the leaders really set it up for something by going nuts, but it wasn't a night to sort of round them up. And uh, he was a very good winner once again. Yeah, he's flying this prep. Um, had a little bit against him. Um, they did run along really hard. Ashmania probably looked the winner coming to the turn, but. Just a tribute really knuckled down. And did I hear post-race Gary White is thinking maybe Thomas Lyons for this down the track? Yeah, I think that's been I think that's been rumoured. Um, whether uh, a matchup with Bello Bow and the inevitable was enough to turn him away. But he's sort of won his three races now, and it's that time of year where maybe uh, you look at a few targets. Problem with a horse like Justin Tribute is his racing pattern is going to make it so much harder for him to keep winning as he takes on the better horses but uh there's no doubt he's he's well above average i think we might have seen another one that's a bit above average on that card bear in charlie bucket um probably similar to bellow bow if the right horse gets in front right part of the track it's times and margins and and charlie bucket only ran a couple of lengths slower than bellow bow and in fact quicker than both the inevitable and just a tribute over 1400 there was a decent amount of carry on from connections there who I reckon snapped up the double figures that was about on Charlie bucket early and he's absolutely brained them. So I think he's been a work in progress, uh, Charlie bucket, but uh, he was a very, very impressive winner there. Good luck to connections too. I thought, did I say about $12 it opened up or was it a touch more? I got a little bit of the $13, not for much. It wasn't a race that I was keen to play, but yeah, there was there was some double figures early. He's ended up starting at 480 and ended up winning like probably a $1.80 pop. So, uh, Good luck to him, all I say, mate. Nothing better than that. 
Hobart on Sunday, Bear. It was another cracking day. Good for prepared there. I thought it raced well. Maybe no disadvantage to be on speed in the inside, but rail plus 11, good for. Uh, no real surprise there. And then they went within a length of the 1,100-metre track record in the Winsenberg. So, again, I think the days where you have any concern over how Hobart's going to play along in the rearview mirror. I mean, if you when you walk into Hobart, for those that go next week on the 28th, and I believe it's a free gate I seen on the website last night, or I hope I've seen it because otherwise I've just opened a can of worms there. <laughs> um, but when you walk in next time you're at Hobart, you'll be blown away by how good the track looks and how good the lawns look like. What they've gone through in the last 12 months, or was it two? When was it two years ago when they had all the. Two years, almost two yeah. years to a day, yeah. I think, to the yeah. day. I think like, it was either Boxing Day, the 27th or something. Yeah, I reckon it was Guinea's Day two years ago. And, like, the track's in an amazing condition. And, yeah, there might have been a little bit of an, an on-pace bias, but there's still horses that could come from well back. Like, I know Zulu Angel, for instance, got beaten quite easily by Fear the Sting, but he came from well back in the run. I was able to run third, Um Nico the Greek was well back in the run. He ran home well to run second. Uh, the one in the last, Rowan Tuff sort of come off. He was in the 1-1, but Northern Spirit come from behind him. Yeah. Nev's boy in the race before. So I, I think the track, I mean, to me, Hobart is the fairest track we have in the state. So um, at least that's the track where you can have bet with the most confidence that you're going to get every chance in the run. So, And Lonnie's been racing really well as well. But I just think at least when you go to Hobart, you know what you're going to get, I reckon. Horses can win from anywhere. Yeah, you definitely do now. Uh, Winsenberg, well done, Imogen Miller. She produced the Quinella here. It wasn't in the order that certainly the market and most punters expected. Dumbrody Power uh, knocked off the heavily backed Algernon 280 into 225. Pretty busy finish. Probably or no real knock on the ride on Algernon. Uh, Bullant gave it. Uh, a great run, but Troy Baker uh, had a needle eye bear, went for it and just drove through on a pretty close photo. Yeah, he was patient. He he took his medicine. The run wasn't quite there. And um, quite often when you're in form, the gaps tend to open. And um, this horse is probably a bit of overs. It was a pretty good run last start. Um, so Algernon was really good as well, but I thought GG's second over was great getting home along the fence with 60 and a half and, I reckon the wait for age race in January um, towards the back end of January is just it's for the taking because um, you wouldn't think horses that go to the Tassie Stakes in a couple of weeks' time are going to be freshened up enough in two and a half weeks' time to run over 1,200. I just think, you know, she's chips in GG second over. Did we do that last year? And from memory, things didn't really pan out in terms of the ride that we received. Yeah, so that was when Ambiond, I reckon, was odds on. And we liked second over at the price, about $6. And I think we got caught three wide and Liffy Bay was able to lead and win. That's from memory. I think your memory might be spot on. But anyway, hopefully there's uh, better luck this year. Not overly sure what to make of the, the form out of the Winsenberg. It's about two and a half lengths covered the first seven, one and a half lengths the first six. A lot of these will probably bump into each other again in races like the carpet charge uh, and that sort of stuff. thought Julius was a good run, fourth beaten 1.4, but raced outside Liffey Bow. They seemed to run along at a pretty good clip. 
if you bow was beaten four and a half and Julius finished over three lengths in front of that horse. So I would say he's ticking over pretty well for the carpet charge. Uh, a horse that ran nearly identical time to the Winsenberg Bear was Fear the Sting. You talk about pretty sick beats on the punt, not just us, but seems like every punter that bets in Tassie was on this horse in Launceston last start. Unfortunately, didn't get the chocolates, but went to the front here and this was the fear the sting we maybe thought we were going to get in Lonnie. Uh, ran really good time and brained them. It never in doubt. Um, obviously, part owned by the Jackies CEO, Simon Brookhouse. So, um, would have made up for their loss on uh, Saturday night, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, he had a couple of goals on fear the sting, but jumped straight to the front. Never in doubt. Uh, they're going to give it a little freshen up, the mail is, and I reckon they're going to target the Carbine Club on Derby Day, the three-year-old sprint race. Seems perfect for him, I would have thought. Uh, what did you make of Royal and Tough in the last race, Bear? Beat the older horses again, but only a small margin to horses like Northern Spirit and Hermit's Bells, who, uh, to be fair, win races as often as St Kilda win AFL premierships. It doesn't <laughs> sort of scream tough form, but I think Rowan Hamer's pretty keen to, to get to the derby and wants to take a path where he maybe doesn't have to run into Bellow Bow every week. So fair play to him. He's won two races at the mile and beat older horses each time. Yeah, and he did carry 58 and a half. I mean, it's smart by the trainer Rowan Hamer to avoid Bellow Bow like he's picking up 15,000 every time he gets another W. So, um you know, it's hard once horses get past 16 where they look like they'll get any further, but you think the way this horse races that it will get 21 and 2200. So um, will they go to the Guineas as well next week or would they sort of? I've heard they will. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Yep. I think and then it's probably yeah, the logical stepping stone now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, as I said, they've picked up 30,000 from the last two wins. Um, away from the better three-year-old. So um, sometimes it's always hard, mate, when you're a three-year-old carrying 58 and a half, like Northern Spirit, yes, hasn't won for a while, but only carried 51. And, um, you know, if I put you on my back, mate, and ran around Airwick, I wouldn't be able to run as quick as I, if you weren't on my back, so to speak. So, Yeah, exactly right. Very good point. And he was given a, a great ride by uh, Ismail Toka there. Probably didn't win like a dollar sixty pop, but uh, he won all the same. I want to ask you about another one on this program here, Baron? But I'll just paint the picture for you. So Donna's day, she had her fifth start uh, here on this program. Had a third career start, which was on the thirty first of July. Her, her second start was on the tenth of July. So she carried. 59 and a half kilos there and won a benchmark 62 over 1200 in Hobart. So what's that? A gap of 22 days raced on Sunday, just gone after racing in Launceston on 30th November. That's a gap of 19 days, carried 60 kilos here and a benchmark 64. So half a kilo more than she did on that run back in July that I referenced. She was $1.90 out to $2.80. And this is what's in the stewards report. Stewards question trainer S. Brutton regarding the below market expectations. Well, I'd argue that she actually ran exactly up to market expectations given the drift. It was his opinion that the short break between runs, the heavy weight and the mare over racing were all contributing factors to the disappointing performance. 
I'm interested, Bear, how the market knew that that extra three days and that extra half kilo would mean that she would run like she ate about 80 meat pies before she went around. Was she t- too short they were markets opened? Like, was her win at Launceston that good first up? It was pretty workmanlike, but did it scream that she, like, she beat the older horses just first up? And she doesn't give up. I'll give her that. But maybe she was overbet to start with. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of I thought she was a good thing there. I'd argue that uh, first up, yeah, tradesman like correct, but you'd expect improvement, not regression. Second up, and she mapped to find the right part of the track, which is where she landed. And you generally don't see horses like that uh, drift. I mean, fear the sting is an example. Uh, there last time sat outside and, and couldn't win a pretty weak maiden and was backed into a dollar seventy and landed in the same spot that Donna's Day did and, and won for fun. But uh, look, I, I'm not saying there was anything untoward there at all. Clearly, she wasn't right and and read accordingly. But it's just interesting to see the um, the excuse given to stewards, given a very similar setup, resulting in a very different result back in July. Isn't that the stocky standard answer from any trainer post-race, like five minutes after the race? What yeah. else do they meant to say? Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, you you don't believe everything that you hear. I think there's take out there. I saw the Sydney Kings had a press conference a couple of weeks ago to say that Santa's going to be suiting up for their Christmas Day game, and I don't actually believe that he will see any court time. <laughs> so I think which Santa's that, mate? I read also there's not allowed to be any more fat Santas in the supermarket in the shopping centres. What a disgrace that is! Exactly. All right, we're digressing. The world's going mad, mate. The world's going mad. It is. All right, we'll take a short break and we'll get stuck into Devonport. Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke ads. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. All right, Devonport on Friday, Bear, the Sheffield Cup meeting. This is the last program in Devonport before... Uh, the lab breaks Devonport Cup, so that rolls around pretty quick. In the twilight slot that uh, the club love to have for big on-track attendance, Kevin Sharkey's the sponsor for the Sheffield Cup this year. It affords ballot-free entry again. They don't have to go through too many race replays for this one. Seven of the 11 ran in the gold mile, which was won by Rising Light. Uh, I might give my two cents on the map for the Sheffield Cup before I lean into your thoughts. Looks pretty reasonable speed here. Amma Word will come across from out wide. Rising Light and Reward Achiever will probably look to posse up as they did in the Gold Mile. And one horse that brings a different form line is Dark Wanderer. Drawn one, he always tries to hold a forward position. So I've got those four uh, probably landing on speed. And I don't think the Golden Mile was a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination, Bear. This probably looks a race with a similar amount of speed. Um, interesting race. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah, it's a very interesting race. Um, Shabon Renegade resuming too. Like, it's got some ability. So there's another one that didn't race against this lot the other day. So um, I think what's going to happen here, mate, staying the obvious, the, the horse that has the best luck probably will come away with a winner. Um, Rising Light had a really good run the other day and was able to get the victory. A horse like Dramazing, I didn't think he had any luck, especially from the 600, but whether or not 
as you touched on the other day, he might be looking, she might be looking for further. So, um, and with Dark Wanderer had a really improved run last start um, against the weight for age horses. So um, it's a very, very competitive race. Do you think uh, the barriers are a positive for Dramazing having drawn nine after what happened in the Gold Mile? Well, I don't think he's going to get, um, <laughs> let's hope that it is a positive. Um, he obviously just missed the scrimmage going out the straight the first time, but we didn't even think he, she would cop that much uh, interference at the 600, but um, Troy can just stay out of trouble. Maybe get a trail into the race on White Hawks back even snap I thought was good the other day. So um, it's a really, really competitive race. It's hard to have a real definitive opinion when we don't have any prices. So it's probably going to be price dependent what I'd be backing in this race. So um, I'll still definitely be having a couple of dollars under amazing because I can't let it go around again after what happened the other day. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just inconclusive, Dramazing, I think, in the gold mile. I mean, as you said, she sort of got spat out the back when she was looking to truck in the race. The other thing that's worth mentioning about this Devonport program is that Anthony Darman had had an appeal heard earlier today uh, for being deemed to be not giving one every possible chance a lot earlier in the year. That p- appeal was dismissed and he got a four-meeting suspension, which kicked in f- from this meeting and he'd already accepted some rides for this program. So there are a few trainers that were scrambling for replacements. Um, one of those was Barry Campbell and connections with Dramazing. You'd have to say with the form that Troy Baker's in that they don't lose anything with him going aboard and lucky enough to be able to get a rider that can ride at, at 54 as well. Uh, my market for this race, Bear, I'll go through sort of the, the main fancies. I had, Dark Wanderer as favourite at 450. I'm just siding with him as the horse to beat. I don't mind him coming via a different form line. As he said, with the Golden Mile, it was kind of best run, won the race with Rising Light. There was a pretty tight pack behind him. Wouldn't surprise me to see a horse come from a different form line. Dark Wanderer won his first five races, so he's two for his last 14. He hasn't won a race in over 12 months now. He took the path to the Devonport Cup two years ago. Last year they went uh, wait for age. I guess after sort of what we spoke about with the concrete, I mean, Dark Wanderer, he's not going to beat the inevitable wait for age. So I applaud the decision to um, take probably a Sheffield Cup and Devonport Cup path with Dark Wanderer. He probably leads or maybe if Amal Word looks to and wants to lead at all costs. Maybe Cody Jordan can get uh, the suck run behind Amalward here. I had him favourite at 450, just ahead of Reward Achiever at 480. I thought she was really good uh, in the Golden Mile. Again, had a nice run, but just maps for the absolute grouse again here. Barrier four, Daniel Ganderton, obviously very keen to stick to a Reward Achiever, remembering that he had the the stack there in Launceston and two days later, uh, Followed up here on Reward Achiever. He keeps the ride. Barrier four is going to get a really nice run. I have Dramazing at, at $6. Probably resigned to her being back and, and having to make a sweeping run, which is always hard to do at Devonport. I was pretty keen on her in the gold mile. I thought she'd sort of be midfield and, and try and pinch some gaps as it was. Uh, she settled midfield and just got shuffled back and back and back. And then I'm out to 650 Rising Light, who... 
Uh, probably gets every chance again from barrier six, but I will say speed inside him from reward achiever and dark wanderer and Amalword coming across might have to burn a, a little bit of petrol earlier, but this is certainly not a lot harder for rising light and, and rises one and a half kilos. So that's where I sort of landed on it. Not an overly high confidence race being uh, a favorite at four and a half, uh, you mentioned Shaborn Renegade Bear. I think was scratched from memory from Devonport Cup last year, having gone through the lead-ups and been right in the market in the Gold Mile and Sheffield Cup. So it, it'd be some training effort by Bill and Monica to get him to win first up at 16.50. You'd have to think he's probably got a bit of improvement to come. Yeah, he looks like he's had a couple of nice trials. Um, he had one over 13.50 on the 13th of December. So... Um, Horses obviously had its issues, but it's obviously got its fair share of ability as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very tough race. Um, and I think market will dictate who you really want to back in this. But I'm, I'm sort of a reward achiever. I thought the flashing light was on it last start as well. I thought it was a really good run. And it, I noticed Daniel carried 55 the other day when he rode it. So it's, it stays at the same weight this time. So, um, Reward Achiever and Amazing are probably who I'm going to um, place my bets around. And I, I thought old Whitehawk was really good the other day and he's probably going to be 25, 30 to 1 again and he's, he's worth a couple of dollars each way. But it's not a high confidence race for me. Yeah, Whitehawk. I thought he's probably already looking for the cup trip, but just sort of leave him out at your own peril. How about Pete Luttrell with Ethical Dilemma Bear? Went around in the Winsenberg on Sunday over 1,100, now up to 16.50 five days later. He did manage to pull one off uh, at the last Devonport meeting with old Techno Awards on the two-day backup. Ethical Dilemma running racing really well uh, was super behind Rebel Factor in Launceston and, and Savage Line in the uh, Winsenberg. Probably difficult to have in, in this field off that setup. Old Argyle Beach continues to, to race really well and don't think I haven't forgotten about him as one that I'll be looking to pile into in something other than this race in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, again, I'm with you, mate. I think we'll be going wide in the Sheffield Cup. We'll post our $100 staking strategies for this race on Twitter. I'll just give a brief update on what's happening there, and I will keep it brief because you're absolutely <laughs> toweling me. So in the new market, you returned 252 from your $100 outlay. I've given you $4.20 best tote about the little fella. You had 60 on him. We both went dramazing each way in the Golden Mile and nothing but uh, a bit of value there, which doesn't feed the kids. And then in the Conquering, you $100 on the inevitable. I've given us $1.70 about him there. I had Thanks. six. I had 60 on the inevitable and 40 on Alpine Wolf. So I made $2 in that race. So quick update, 252 plus 170, 422 you from 300 outlaid and uh, 300 outlay me, 102 back. I don't, I won't do the math, but I'm not sure that's a profit. But anyway, you're smashing me at the uh, yeah. can you Can you let Gareth know all of this, mate? Because he gives oh. me too much cheek when I come on with you over Wednesday. So... He does. Um, just let him know, please. Absolutely. You know, you're you're well on top at the moment. Sheffield Cup, 
be interesting to see where we land with that one, but we'll update our $100 staking strategies on Twitter. Support program for Devonport on Friday, Bear. I'll be brutally honest. I was very underwhelmed by what we copped for the previous meeting, but I'm very happy with what we see for this one. Deeper races. Um, we kick things off with the two-year-olds, only a small field, but we learn a little bit more about them as well. I think the benchmark 72 race six is an absolute beauty. Uh, Miss Tuppence, Serene Striker, Emily Warika going for five on the bounce. That's a beauty, and, and you've had a look at the last. Yeah, also in that 1,000-metre uh, race you've just touched on then, Gigi playing was pretty good first up. Whether or not coming back in trip is going to be against it, but if it, it was able to run well in this, it might be a sort of horse that could um, head towards the carpet. Um, $100,000 race on Cup Day. So just keep an eye on GG playing. It loves the track. But in the last race, mate, I've um, – Ziggy Carr's obviously one of my favourite jockeys and she takes over on Copper Charm. Uh, the horse has not been beginning that well. I don't think there's a rider in the state can get them out the gates like Ziggy can. I just thought maybe we might get a little bit of value, Copper Charm, in the last. If it was able to land on the – on the top, Diggy can sit, steer, and hopefully we get the cheer snap. So I have no idea what price it'll be, but just think we might see it up on pace. And if it ran up to its run against Jaguar Stone on the 18th of September when it was able to lead and only got beat three because of length, I think Copper Charms can be right in this. Yeah, I haven't done that race in, in full sort of detail yet, but I, I'd suspect you'll get a, a backable price about Copper Charm, that's for sure. It's a good mate, good point you make around that benchmark 72,009 it's kind of the up-and-comers probably with an eye for that carpet charge and and the Winsenberg and that type of race is probably the the more proven performers that might be looking to come back and there's a stack of speed in that one as well so really good race I, I have done that one but it's not one I'm sort of uh, super high confident in I had Emily on top but with no sort of great confidence another race that i'm really keen to watch and a horse i'm really keen to watch bear is uh gg's gemstone race three class one 1350 uh, we all saw how green he was on debut nearly had a, a brush with the fence halfway down the home straight really interesting placement here by stewie gandy i reckon uh he's another one that's probably playing a little bit of catch up i listened to the post race with siggy after uh, he won his debut and she sort of said that ideally he probably would have had another trial, but if you're wanting to get to those better three-year-old races, then you sort of got to jump in sooner or later. And he, Stewie chooses to go to a class one, 1350 here. I guess the track is probably the, the most interesting thing for me. You go to a tight circuit like Devonport and the carpet. He's obviously a horse with a stack of ability bear, but I'd probably leave me out of, red odds if that's what he comes up knowing what he does wrong i thought it, it's a race in two for me i thought the only horse that could probably beat him is the two uh, mascaretta a pickup ride for brendan mccall and a nice low draw i think the race starts and finishes there but if the toppy comes up short i'll be looking on this time yeah and that's just, that's fair enough too mate like i think any time a horse races at this track that's not trained from there there's always that risk though um it was obviously well back first up and it won accordingly but did a few things wrong so obviously they want to try and get to the guineas i'm assuming in two weeks time or um so they obviously got to get the the run sort of stretching out over the 1350 this time before it heads out to the mile so um 
yeah, just just beware. I think if it goes up too short of odds. You talk about these three odds having to carry weight. They're, they're pretty harshly treated in terms of the handicap rating, aren't they? I mean, one start carried fifty-seven. He wins. He's all of a sudden a, a sixty-two rider. He's now got to carry fifty-nine up against horses that are no superstars, but have had plenty of races. I mean, a horse like needs to belong is a six-year-old, 14 starts, one win, six minors. He's going to get in with 54 and a half. So um, there is a lot of merit to these performances when you factor in the weight, as you very astutely pointed out earlier. Yeah, it's hard. Like, I suppose that's why horses that win maidens don't go on and, and win their class one or their, their 62 at the next start because they are carrying big weights and they can come up against horses that have had quite a few starts and are quite seasoned. So um, if you do see a horse, though, I think it comes out and wins their class one after their maiden or their, or their benchmark 62, then they've obviously got a fair bit of ability. Well above average. The other race I've done is the opener, the two-year-old, uh, not a massively strong opinion. Three are on debut, uh, three are face a starter. And I did think the toppy, the spirit of zero, uh, trialed in very nice fashion on a couple of occasions. Yassi Nishitani trains his Matoka rides, blinkers first time. Slow out in both trials is a bit of a, a red light for a horse starting over a thousand at Devonport, but does look to have a bit of ability there. So depending on what they bet there uh, will interest me. Looks a program bear there where there's not going to be probably a stack of shorties and the punters will probably have to work to find a winner, but might get a bit of value if they find it. And that's probably most evident by the feature being the Sheffield cup. Yeah. And I think they're the good days that you can um, have a, you can also have a punt but have a bit of fun. I think sometimes when there's, there's too many shorties, you take multis and one of them gets beaten, you're dirty on the world. So um, this is probably a perfect sort of program to try and get on track if you're in the area. But if you're sitting at home, you can set yourself up out the back and have a couple of beers and bet responsibly and try and jack a couple of winners because there's going to be plenty of value on the card. There is. Well said. Uh Time to get to our couple of little segments to finish the program. We'll start with you, mate. What do you got for us in Bears Brief? Very, very positive this week, Snap, especially leading into Christmas. We don't want any negativity. Um, my Bears Brief this week is um, the way Troy Baker's been going. He's leading the premiership at the moment with 22 wins with David Perez. Um, as you touched on before, he can he can ride light, um, which is a big advantage. Um He's only had 134 rides, which for someone in his form, I, I can't understand how he doesn't get a full book every every meet. Um, he's a genuine person, Troy. Um, he's very honest with his um, pre and post race. I love um, when you chat to him about how he thinks races will be run. So he obviously does his his research and um, he's able to uh, give the owners an understanding of how the race to be run. He, he tends to give horses every chance most of the time. So um, he's always been a hard worker, but with it that now he's having a little bit of luck. And I suppose when you're riding with a bit of confidence, the gaps tend to open. Um, as we touched on before, he's right on uh, the winner of the Winsenberg. He sort of just took his medicine there and the gaps eventually open. He's able to punch it out and get the chocolate. So, um, yeah, just leading into Christmas. I hope Troy's form continues, and um, he's a he's a genuine good man, and I wish him all the success for the rest of the season. Well, we learnt when you spoke to him on the podcast this year that he's a bit of a chef, so he's going to be doing the cooking yeah. on Christmas Day, isn't he, in the Carbaker household? 
Well, mate, if you I don't know if you've seen a couple of the photos, what he's cooked, he's an unbelievable chef. So um, he's lucky that weight's not a concern for him. He can eat what he wants, I think. But um, some of those dishes he was sending, I'm hopefully me giving him a pump up here. I might get a gig at his house and he can cook me up something. One of his he's flying, that's for sure. I mean, we're far enough into the season now. We mentioned it when we did the podcast last year. I think at some point we spoke about the likelihood of getting a, a female premier in terms of the jockey, because uh, I think it was Carr, Byrne, Burke and Jordan were the top three, and it had played out that way. And at, at the time of recording here, Dave and Troy are both joint on 22. I mean, he's going to be there when the whips are cracking at the end of the season. You, you'd think he's striking well enough and riding well enough that he's a legitimate premiership winning chance this year, which would be a, an outstanding story. Absolutely. And, you know, as it touched on, He's a good person as well, so it's it's good to see good people having the success that they deserve and hopefully continues. But the premiership is very, very close, though, isn't it, as well? Like Taylor, Ziggy and Chelsea are just nipping at the heels on 18, 18 each. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. To, uh, I think a bit of luck and also injury could play a role in who um, ends up winning our premiership this season. Yep, agree. Uh, Snapper special this week. I was sort of tossing up a, a few different ways to go, but you sort of swayed me, Bear, that we're close to Christmas, so we're all about positivity. I don't want to be the Grinch, uh, and I don't want to get myself in trouble either. Um, I've gone with Dumbrody Power and the win in the Winsenberg, but more so the fact that the horse is here at all. So she's a seven-year-old mare. Really interesting career when you look back through her form. Her last win prior to Sunday was on Boxing Day 2020. Uh, she then went to a million-dollar Magic Millions race on the Gold Coast where she was only beaten uh, just under two lengths. So she was certainly no slouch at her absolute prime and then uh, basically plugging away in, in Sydney metros and uh, with John Thompson found her way to Paddy Payne and didn't have a lot of luck there. And then they've thrown the hat in the ring of Tassie where she arrived in the state as a 75 Raider. I think she's just a really good example of the success that you can have with a horse in Tassie. If you basically give yourself the option, I mean, she's had four starts down here and uh, she's won a $50,000 race. She's won 36,000 in prize money. I think I read Imogen said that the owners were hoping to get a bit of black type for her. So I, I assume the goals would be the, the bow mistress and Vamos, but I'd love to see more tried, established horses in maybe that 65 to 75 type range find their way down to Tassie Bear. I mean, I've had horses in Victorian stables, sort of low 60 raiders. You get balloted out of races or you're one of 20 in a race. If you draw the wrong part of the track, you've got none. I mean, there's so many options on the Tassie calendar for horses like these and, and we're running for good prize money now I, I think getting more horses like that is would be a great way to to boost the depth that we've got in our ranks and i mean we've seen it here for dumbrody power and i know that the tried market is really tough tried horses are, are going for a lot more than they used to but i'd love to see trainers i guess get a bit creative and try and maybe leverage relationships that they've got with stables in other states to try and get horses across. If they're struggling to win, come down to Tassie, change of environment, maybe a, a little bit easier racing. Who knows? You've still got the opportunity to race for really good prize money. And look, I know as an owner and 
we're probably both in the same spot. I would rather be uh, one of eight horses racing for say twenty five to thirty thousand than one of twenty horses racing for thirty five or forty. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, Imogen does a great job, and obviously that she's able to utilise the beach, which a horse like um, Dunbrady Power obviously getting on a little bit in years. So um, it's just uh, like any horse that can get a change of scenery and environment and end up doing some of their work at Seven Mile Beach, for example, pays huge dividends. So um, just back to what you just said then about becoming creative, maybe some of the uh, trainers, for example, um, the mailbag um, bloodstock that I don't know if, if many people are aware of them, for example, they might be a good one to try and hook up with. Obviously they're in the market now for buying tried horses, but you could pick up a cheapie and get it down to Tassie and add some depth to our racing and get a return really quickly. Um, it could be very beneficial for our industry. And that's what I suppose this podcast is about. Snap is trying to make, put things in place that can make people aware of how good Tassie racing is. Absolutely. And I mean, the prize money is on par or at least trying to keep pace with sort of Vic country as well. So they're running good money. I mean, we saw another one on that program, not a brass Razu was trained with Andrew Noblet makes his way down to Scotty at the beach. And after two starts is already a winner and got a nice return for connection. So, yeah, I mean, it's another way that we can try and grow our pool of horses and races with a bit more depth are always great for everyone concerned. Certainly from a punning perspective, they generate more turnover and ultimately that's a big funder of the industry so uh, well done to all involved with Dumbrody Power and I guess particularly Imogen who prepared the Quinella in that race uh, I, before I let you go Bear Algernon finished second there where do you think he heads to next or do you know where he heads to next no I've got no idea um, you would think he would head to the the 1200 metre race at Launceston I know that his form on paper reads that he's probably a Hobart horse but He's when he's right, he's a genuine, really top class Tassie horse. So um there'd be no reason I don't think why they wouldn't go for the way for age race at Launceston towards the back end of January. Yep, probably a good call that. Uh that wraps up our last podcast of twenty twenty two, Bear. We will be recording we'll be busy early in the new year. We'll do a podcast heading into the Stakes and Guineas and then of course the Devonport Cup and uh, both those meetings are gonna be outstanding. Yes, exciting. Um, a little bit of a break for us. So um, we'll get through Friday and then we'll get through the meeting at Hobart the week after. And then we'll, I'm sure we'll have a punt at Longford as well. And then um, it really hots up. Um, Guinea's day is outstanding already with what we're going to have on offer. And then um, Deadpool Cups five days later. So um, it's a really exciting time for Tassie uh, racing people. But just obviously our last episode for the year, but I just wish everyone a safe and happy Christmas and um, hope everyone has a great time. Well said, mate. Thanks to everyone for listening. Hope you find a winner across the holiday period. Uh, we, You will hear from us in 2023.